0: You are listening to an audio recording from the ministry of Jeffersontown Bible Church in Jeffersontown, Kentucky, where we gather to proclaim God's Word. For more information, please visit jtownbible.org. Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3 this morning. This past week, via Facebook, we learned of a couple in Michigan that we're very good friends with, have been uh, for a number of years. uh, The husband's mother has uh, lived with them, and then the last few years, been in a uh, nursing home and advanced in years, and this year, I mean this week. Um, she left this physical, her physical body, and went immediately into the presence of the Lord because uh, she had a very clear testimony and profession of faith in Christ Jesus uh, as her Lord and Savior. Uh, however, there are others this week that, uh, many, many others who have departed this life, departed their body through death. And uh, they, too, have entered eternity. Um, I know about this lady, Tiny, because she's been in her home. I've known her over the years, and I know her testimony having have the confidence that she's with the Lord. But for many others, every day who leave this life through death, um, they, too, step into eternity and pass into eternity. And that's where the reality of who God is and the reality of what He has revealed is front and center. And a person either immediately goes into the presence of the Lord because of their faith in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior or they are eternally separated from the living God because of their unbelief in Christ Jesus. so as Tiny stepped into eternity, to use the terminology from Hebrews chapter 3 this morning, the apostle of our confession, Jesus Christ, greeted her, the high priest of our confession in Christ greeted her, from other passages of scripture, he intercedes for us so our intercessor greeted her our advocate greeted her, that was her reception into eternity. A blessed reception, an assuring reception. However, as we come to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews and not just chapter three, the writer is addressing churches, local churches. And within these local churches, there are a variety of people with a ver- in a variety of, of uh, standings before God. There are those who clearly have a confession of faith in Christ Jesus and their standing before God is that of one who is justified according to the terminology of Scripture. They stand in right relationship with God because they have come to faith in Christ Jesus and trusted Him as Lord and Savior during this life. Others within those local churches have heard the truths of the gospel in depth and extensively communicated, taught, preached, explained, and yet they have not yet come to a place of putting their personal faith and trust in Christ Jesus, of taking that step and putting their trust in Christ Jesus, in Him alone for salvation. Also within this body of local churches are those who have heard, but they're of an attitude that they are not interested in going down that path. So throughout the book of Hebrews, this is the profile of people that are hearing this instruction. And depending on where they stand with God, that determines how they process what is being said and communicated in the book of Hebrews. So we come to chapter 3 and we see the writer emphasizing another great truth concerning our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not a super angel. He's not a super prophet. He's not a super spiritual person. He is God the Son come in human flesh. He is God of very God and with Him We cannot treat Him and respond to Him like we would to just a great person, no matter how great they are. We must respond to Him uniquely and differently. And so in chapter 3, the writer is emphasizing that Jesus Christ is the apostle and high priest, it says, of our confession in the text, and our is the church, the local assemblies. And so He is the apostle and high priest of the church's confession. And the foundational confession of the church of Jesus Christ. Not church with that label and that name, but the church that Jesus Christ is building. Which is represented in a variety of local congregations. But the foundation of that confession is this. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter articulated that as recorded in Matthew chapter 16. The other apostles confessed that as well. That is the foundational confession of the church. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of the living God. You are unique and distinct and different. You are a man standing in front of us, talking to us, interacting with us, But in this humanity is someone unique and different because it is God in human body. That's what the incarnation is all about. That's what we celebrate at the Christmas season is the infleshing of God the Son into a human body. Originating with the conception of Jesus Christ in the womb of Mary by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. A unique, the unique person in all of humanity. And so Jesus Christ is is not someone to simply be listened to, even just highly regarded. He is one to be responded to as that unique person in all of humanity, that one person of the Godhead who came and took upon himself humanity that he might accomplish for us what we cannot accomplish for ourselves and attaining a right relationship with our God and our creator. So he is the apostle and high priest of the church's confession. And there's more truth built upon that fundamental confession. But for a Jewish person, which is the predominant audience uh, that the writer is uh, penning this letter to, for them to make that confession was transformative and transitional. For them to articulate that and embrace that and embody that in their belief meant that they were turning away from Judaism as it was understood at that point in human history, as, they, as it had been taught to them uh, by the rabbis and by the scribes and, and the various teachers of the law, because they did not recognize Jesus Christ for who he professed himself to be, God the Son come in human flesh. For any Jew to confess that was definitely transformative and transitional away from Judaism and to Christ. And you see that related in the pages of Scripture in a very clear and profound way with the one we often refer to as the Apostle Paul, who prior to becoming the Apostle Paul was the persecutor Saul who hated this man, Jesus Christ, deeply above all else. And had dedicated his life, his efforts, his talents, his skills, his ability, everything within him to tracking down Hebrews, Jews who had confessed that Jesus Christ is Christ, the Son of God, and put their faith in Him. Tracking them down and putting pressure on them, persecuting them, seeking to intimidate them, to enforce them, to to recant, to go back, to say, no, I no longer embrace that confession. And some of them were even put to death at the hand of the apostle Paul or the persecutor Saul at that time. But on that road to Damascus, he recognized that this one whom he was perse- had been persecuting was indeed God the Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And he didn't articulate those words in particular at that moment on the road to Damascus, but when he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? He was recognizing that this one who identified him as Jesus whom you persecute was indeed Lord God. And at that moment, Not only was his life changed, but he acknowledged Jesus for who he is and trusted him and believed in him. And from that point forward, he was a new man, a new creature in Christ Jesus. And he was dedicated to serving the one whom he sought to persecute. So Jesus Christ is the apostle and high priest of our confession. What I want us to notice in these 19 verses that comprise chapter 3 are five responses that enable genuine faith in Christ. Five responses that, gen, uh, that enable genuine faith in Christ. And we're just going to begin to crawl into this this morning. We won't go through all 19 verses, we've run out of donuts. Getting close now. Five responses. The first response is found in verse 1, and that's where we're going to park this morning, is verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. The first response to genuine faith, saving faith, is to consider Christ. Now, question Who is being addressed? Scripture says, holy brethren. It was a whole assembly in all the local churches that this letter went to. Remember, this is a general epistle, meaning it was not addressed to a particular local church like the church at Ephesus, the church at Colossae, the church at Corinth. Those were letters sent to specific local churches addressing matters specific to those local churches to the benefit of all the local churches. General letters or epistles were written generically to all the local churches and Hebrews is one of those uh, in that category. And so this was a reality in many of the local churches that were comprised at the time of the writing of this letter of an of a assembly of, of people who were from a Jewish background and ethnicity and those who were from a Gentile background and a variety of ethnicities together in the church. And so it's referring to the whole, not to each individual. For instance, this is an assembly this morning. It's, it's a small assembly compared to an assembly that's couple, three miles over that direction. It's got about 15,000 people there this morning, something like that. And that's an assembly. But whether it's here or whether it's at that other church assembly, within that assembly are very likely people who have genuine faith in Christ and have trusted Him as Lord and Savior. Those who are open to Christ, open to the truths of the gospel, but they haven't uh, come to that point of trusting Christ as Savior. And those who are at the place where they're becoming uh, more and more indifferent uh, to the truths of the gospel. And so simply saying holy brethren is not a commentary that everybody that's being addressed is a believer. It just means this is an assembly that is uh, characterized as a holy assembly, holy in a sense of uh, different and unique and set apart, but it's not a commentary on the personal faith of everyone in that assembly. And so he's addressing this group and he refers to them as, broadly speaking, holy brother. Uh, just as I would, using this terminology, refer to this gathering as holy brethren. I wouldn't say holy brethren except for you and you and you and you. <laughs> Just holy brethren. And that's, that's what's in view here. A local assembly comprised of people who are at different places in their relationship to God, different standing, some standing justified, in right relationship, others who are not justified and stand yet condemned before God he refers to them as partakers of the heavenly calling, and that's an interesting uh, phrase. And this is referring to all who have been exposed to the person of Christ through the truths of the gospel. So being exposed doesn't mean someone has responded in an in affirmative way. Let me illustrate. One of the, one of the efforts that we're pursuing uh, as far as a potential church relocation point is maybe purchasing a piece of property. And uh, we, we are trying to track down who we can talk to, it's it's been a bit of a process to even find out who who we talk to. So one of the aspects of that was that uh, a place by the name of Honey Bear Bee Farm or Honey Bear Farm, that sells honey, uh, was connected in uh, in more of an indirect way, but we were looking for all the connections. That was on documents, on official records. So I said, well, when I go home, there's always, and, and the address that they give for this honey bear farm is the location of this property that we're interested in, but there's nothing there, and there's other than this abandoned church building, and so th- they're using an address that is not, they're not located there, and but... I said, well, I I go by people who are on Taylorsville Road who are selling honey. So I'll stop by and ask them, you know, and inquire about about, uh, who they are and do my investigative work. Mm -hmm. So I did that on the way home yesterday because they were out there. And I didn't want to let them know. (laughs) I was undercover. (laughs) So I pulled over. And uh, I began to question them without them knowing what I was up to. I was smooth. <laughs> so I, I looked down at the jar and it says, right farm. So I, I just said, um, you know, what's, I noticed this is raw, unfiltered honey because that was on the website. It's raw, unfiltered. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I said, well, you know, I says I noticed it says Wright Farms. Where's that? Oh, that's out in eastern Kentucky, near Liberty, and uh, and we get it from there. And so I be you know just talk to him more, and uh, so I was partaking of all this information. I was exposed. I was asking about the honey, you know, and uh, why that was different and just getting more information. Well, by the time I had all my questions answered, I didn't feel right not buying some honey. (laughs) So I bought a $20 jar of honey that's about that tall. (laughs) I partook. I was exposed to the information and I bought it. I bought in. Now, a different illustration. This weekend, I always have to somehow get this in, or often, I should say. Michigan was playing Penn State. (laughs) That's right. And one of the great um, efforts that, all college teams do on that level, is that they have recruits in for significant games. So they're having a five-star recruit in, which is the highest ranking they give them, and they're really wanting to impress this guy. So they, they bring him in to the University of Michigan, to the big house, and he's there for the weekend, along with his mom and, I think, grandmother as well. And they are doing everything to convince this young man to choose Michigan rather than another university at which to play football. So he's getting full exposure to the whole program, to the university, to the education that's offered, to the coaches, to uh, how they would use him within the system that Michigan uses for playing base. He has full exposure. He's partaking in the whole weekend. He's taking it all in. He's partaking But you know what? He may very well choose after having partook of all that Michigan has to offer and all the experience of this past weekend and and watching how thoroughly Michigan thumped Penn State, just so that you know that. He may say, I'm going elsewhere and walk away. Partaking of the heavenly calling is saying people who have been exposed to this great body of truth to the great person of Jesus Christ. Exposure does not mean buy-in. Buy-in, in this illustration, happens when an individual puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ based upon the truth that is put in front of them, the truths of the gospel. And in the churches to which this writer was concerned were those who had had massive exposure to the truth, but yet they had not yet come